Happy Halloween! Well, it's more like pre-Halloween because I messed up the scheduling and we don't actually have an episode for this weekend so that the timing is all wrong. But don't worry, I actually have a backup plan that I think will be better for the day of Halloween. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, No spoilers here. It just figures that I get worried about being behind, and now suddenly we're early. Anyway, this is the second in our spoopy Halloween-ish kind of series. We're talking about Call of Cthulhu and horror role-playing in general. So, you want to hear a story, huh? (laughs) Have I got a story for you! I was over here minding my own business when suddenly an old friend came in from out of town someone stole my car there was an earthquake a terrible flood Locust. who put that crab there crab i didn't see any crab don't tell me there were two crabs they work in pairs you better have a damn good explanation for this no, now go away or I shall taunt you a second time. Hello everyone and happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Yeah. This is my favorite holiday ever. Better than Christmas. It really is because it's a free candy day. Yes, free candy day. Yes, definitely. And also all the spooks. That's true. Well, yeah, the spoopy, the spoopiness. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. So, if you're not out trick-or-treating and you're listening to us, what the hell are you doing? Get out there and put a costume on. Shouldn't it, shouldn't this be coming out before the trick-or-treating starts? Not necessarily. Oh, okay. On Halloween? Should it be before Halloween or maybe even on Halloween? I don't know. <gasps> well, apparently... Well, oh, you, you mean like the date the date releases? No, I thought we were... Yes. Gonna- I thought we were keeping our normal schedule. But anyway. Right. This last week's episode would be before Halloween. Halloween's on a Wednesday. Uh, Is it Halloween on a Thursday? It's it's middle of the week. Halloween's on a Thursday. It's not in the middle of the week. Well, sorry. When when you say middle of the week, I think Wednesdays. Sorry. I do apologize. And people think middle of the week is Thursday. Tomorrow is episode 20. Then it's 21, 22, this is 23, that would be November 8th. <laughs> Hold on, I thought we were, I don't I don't think we're that far ahead. Folks at home, please tell us how far ahead we are. <laughs> yeah, no, 20, we are that far ahead. We are? I thought we, t- I thought we timed this perfectly. Oh, whatever, that's what next year's for. <laughs> We oh, we could always shuffle these around. <laughs> Whatever. All right. But anyway, today's lovely episode for for our Halloween pre or post Halloween bash. Whenever this episode comes out, <laughs> sigh. <laughs> it's about everyone's. I, I would love to say it's everyone's favorite horror game. Or at least it should be something that comes to mind when people who are in the hobby is Call of Cthulhu. 
Yeah, if it's not your favorite, it's definitely one of the most well-known. Yes. That'll be more of a on-the-point than... I'm presuming people's favorites are RPGs, but oh, whatever. Not everyone has the same likes I do. Dungeons and Dragons? <laughs> anyway, yeah. Call of Cthulhu is a game based on the Cthulhu mythos of H.P. Lovecraft. Yes. All his lovely works. From Pikmin's model, Dunwich Horror, and even the classic short story, Call of Cthulhu. <gasps> Which is really funny, because... His collected works are very, very few. There's what I think I read some of the results. He only did like fifty something stories, and yet somehow, like, yeah. there's like an infinite universe of Cthulhu of Lovecraftian style in the same universe of stories, yeah. and like all of his stuff could probably fit on a bookshelf and a half. Yeah. Honestly, for if for for most authors, that's a usually a decent size. A book, uh, a shelf and a half. That's pretty decent for collected works. Even though it's all mostly short stories, or I think even he goes up to novellas. Uh, I'm gonna look it up. How many stories did H.P. Lovecraft write? Uh, oh, he only lived to be 46. Oh, that sucks. If I remember, <laughs> wasn't he also agoraphobic? I have the right... Mm, maybe? If I have the right phobia, thinking the right phobia. Mm, I don't actually know. Oh, okay. So he wrote a ton of letters. Uh, so a hundred thousand letters, some letters of 70 pages in length. Oh, jeez. Uh, okay, the Mythos Tales. Let's see. There are a hundred and seven stories. There are 29 stories that are considered to be in the Mythos universe, I guess. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's it. 29. 29 stories. Not too bad. That's not Honestly. I've written more than 29. Still impressive number. More yeah. than I've written. More stories than I've ever written. <laughs> well, remember, a lot of these stories also appeared in magazines and like works of fiction, so they're not necessarily very long. You know, yeah, I think Call of Cthulhu was probably one of the longer ones. Pikmin's model wasn't very long. Uh, the Outsider, which was not necessarily Cthulhu Mythos, was not that long. Uh, <clears throat> anyway, yes. Somehow, uh, the folks at Peterson Games managed to put together a entire role playing game that has. Gone on forever and ever and ever. Yeah, uh, if I can remember, they're on their currently they're on their seventh edition. Yeah, and I think you and I got into it around fifth edition. Yeah, I yeah around fifth edition. I do have the seventh edition book myself. Nice. I had a copy of sixth edition once um, because I was a fool and did not keep my hardbound copy of fifth edition. And I- ah. The softback of 6th edition, which unfortunately did not have the comic in it. <laughs> oh. Oh, yes, that comic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the comic of how to play Call of Cthulhu. Uh-huh. Where one of the panels was, 
the only game where players would rather throw themselves on a live hand grenade than test out a new magical item. Yes. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, we're talking about that game tonight. Yes, that game. Uh, the game where uh puts the question of your your characters and your own sanity into question. No, it uh, to me it sounds per- it sounds exactly <laughs> okay. Right. Perfect. Okay, as long as it sounds right to somebody, right, folks? Well, it's. <laughs> Well, it's absolutely true, right? Because, yes, <laughs> your characters have a sanity stat. Yes. But really well-run games Call of Cthulhu will quest- make you question your own sanity out of character. Yes. So, yeah, why don't we why don't we start there? Um, so, start with the basics of Cthulhu, I guess? Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Let's get a rundown. In, call, in, the, in the game Call of Cthulhu, you make an investigator, like an investigator in any of H.P. Lovecraft's uh, Cthulian novels or mythos novels. You either play an archaeologist, a historian, some type of professor. Uh, they do have other options for, like, detectives, athletes, and things like that, but that's not... Yeah, players... I, it, it's, not, it's, not, it's, not, it's not the H.P. Lovecraft style. The typical style for characters in this game is more mundane. I'm the librarian at the local branch. Not somebody that is versed in combat or anything particular. Because if you're versed in combat, then... (laughs) You're usually the first one dead. Yeah. Well, not only that, but you're, you're foolhardy enough to just go barging into a place, and you're probably going to miss a whole bunch of warning signs. Yeah. And you're not really going to be able to figure out what's going... You're not necessarily going to be able to figure out what's going on, and that's part of the whole theme, is that something really weird is going on. And she mentioned either just to survive it, or find a way to either stop it, or at least make it not happen today. So you... Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Something weird is going on. As an investigator, which is why they call the players investigators, yep. it is your job to figure out what's going on, and if it's a bad thing, usually is, <laughs> My time's all out, the yeah. things that Rasputin just said. Hey, do you stop it? Do you delay it? Do you run away? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, you do have chances to get more power and learn spells. But the problem is learning anything that's beyond the standard norms will just drain your character your sanity. Which, in roughness, if your character sanity ever reaches down to, I believe, zero, it's it, it, the character is unplayable. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's not unplayable, but your character has officially gone insane. Yes. And you can no longer play that person as a sane character. Uh, yeah. We do know people that have, where the entire party has gone insane, and they just turned in <laughs> campaign that took place in the mental institution that it's... they all got sent to, <laughs> and continued playing. Well, when they describe sanity in there, it's not just it's not just your mental health score or mental HP, quote unquote. <laughs> mental HP, um, mental HP, yeah. Um, 
It's also it, there's also secondary effects when losing when a character loses sanity because he gain can gain temporary or maybe even permanent derangements of some mm. form or another, as also as a penalty to losing sanity. <laughs> as um, not too long ago, people who do critical role did a uh, one shotter of Call of Cthulhu. Oh, did they really? Yes, they did. Uh, Tal- a Talizin ran it. Nice. That's and so it was a, a very it was a very good story. Uh, <laughs> he ran it perfectly fine, perfectly well. Right. And he how he described this not much sanity loss happened. Mm-hmm. When it happened it was in large chunks. <laughs> but how he described the mental ailments they, the players gained and since this is a group of people who are voice actors <laughs> actually played the parts very well, which is kind of, and spoil you in the experience. That's the, the that's the plus and minus of pl- thing, places like critical uh, people like Critical Role, yeah, that are actors. So you they put on a good show, <laughs> but they kind they but they can spoil you to what your home experience can be like. Right. Well, it's I had a similar experience with a different game that I'm not going to go into right now because oh I'm yeah, gonna, I want to keep this as as Call of Cthulhu related yeah. to Call of Cthulhu as I can. But yeah, so normally, uh, so let's let's step back a second. So Call of Cthulhu again as a player, you take on the role of an investigator. There are three time eras that you can play in. Yes. Quickly called as Cthulhu by Gaslight, which 18, is, I think, is 1890s. Yeah. Victorian 1890s can be anywhere in the world. It's our timeline and history, right? So it's not like an yeah. alternate no. reality or anything. It's just our timeline, 1890s-ish. 18, yes, 1890s-ish or so. Um, then, of course, you have the standard era, the uh, cannot, the I guess you can consider it the canonical era. Yeah, nineteen twenty. And then, of course, uh, there's options to do modern era. But I think when we played it in fifth slash sixth edition, it was the nineteen nineties. Yes. Uh, but it could be played in any type of modern setting. Yeah. As of sixth edition, the eras were eighteen nineties, nineteen twenties, nineteen nineties, and I think yeah. that was intentional because those were kind of like the the major periods in recent history i'm sure if there's an eighth okay. edition they might do 10 but yeah because 1990 is is now sufficiently far enough away that oh, yeah but yeah so it's modern victorian and no sorry modern 1920s and victorian um, <laughs> and like rasper said the canonical way that most people play it is 1920s era. That means that there's cross-continental f- travel, but it takes yes. months. <laughs> yeah. Right. So if you need to that's the, Yeah, that's the, the typical way, especially for uh, one of the campaign settings, is uh, the Thousand Masks of Nalathotep, if I can it's remember correctly. It's the Masks of Nalathotep. Yes. Oh, sorry. I okay. thought there was a thousand in there. Like, ha- like Betrayal at House on the Haunted <laughs> 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 you screwed it up. I and that was intentional. Oh, <laughs> well, whatever. Yeah. So Narlathotep <laughs> does have 
a thousand or supposedly has a thousand some odd forms, which is probably where you're getting that. That's probably. Uh, but yeah, so Narathotep is one of the. Is he an elder god or a great old one? No, he's an elder. Yeah, he's up there. He he's the one who knows about humanity. He knows humanity exists, and he just thinks the thinks humanity is just something to play with. Yeah, I always struggle with that because it's like Cthulhu is not a great old one. The great old ones are the big scary ones. The ones that you hear about all the time are like the normal guys that are afraid of the great old ones, and I, I don't know. It's just how unknoble they are. We can't. We don't know how deep the rabbit hole goes. I'm, yeah, I'm sure there's a higher. Yeah. I'm sure there's a hierarchy somewhere. Sorry, we still have enough standing and have to know the full truth. <laughs> That's debatable, but sure, let's go with it. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so those are the three. Those are the primary eras. Yes, the characters themselves actually have a pretty diverse set of skills, and it's all largely based on again mundane kind of things. Yeah. Hey, can you operate a vehicle? Can you? You know, what is your like library research or library yeah. use is a skill? Like, how well can you go? Yeah. If you go into a library, how well can are you able to find things? Yep, and also have skills like bike riding and running, and uh, I believe uh, psychotherapy is actually one skill or psychoanalyze. Well, it's the one of the only quote unquote healing skills. Nice, um, but I mean the point is, so when you create your character, you pick a profession to create a character. You roll a bunch of dice. I don't remember what kind. Mm-hmm. You fill out your sixes. Yeah, yeah, okay. So you fill out your stats, and yes. based on your stats, you can prob well you pick your profession after your stats, I believe. Yeah. Or there's no particular order you can do it, but stats is the first thing you normally right. do. You normally want to well if I'm creating a character, I would pick stats and then go look at my stats and say, Oh, this is a great person to be a librarian or somebody Yeah. Uh, an architect or archaeologist or I would pick the profession based on stats but your profession will also help guide your skills Yes. so a librarian is obviously going to have a different set of skill set than an archaeologist Mm -hmm. or or a uh, antiques merchant an antiques dealer I think is antiques dealer that's yeah Yes, it's one of the um, professions, yeah. So once you've gotten your profession picked out, that will kind of guide you through your skills, which are all percentile-based. It's all percentile-based, yeah. And you want to try to roll under the percentage. It's right, the so the lower the, the number, the better, because you, you on, on your 2d10 or d100, you want to roll under the number. Yes. Um... And and the nice thing with the character creation is uh, they give you skill points based off of your profession, right. which is it, the standard array of stuff that you get from based on your profession. And then you have your hobby skill, which is just extra points based off your your how smart your character is. It's just how many extra skill points they get to spend on other things. Right, and that the hobby skills are the hobby skills because 
it's things that you, it, it also helps flesh out your character because yeah in or in that these are items that your character or things that your character does <laughs> yes I'm trying to think do we want to cover anything else in character creation um honestly that's pretty much we get it that it's pretty much done as it is it's basically you get your stats and your skills and choose what type of what your profession is. Of course, like any percentile base, Dan, of course, like like any other character you make, it's just to figure out who they are and all that fun stuff. Um, more Cthulian protagonists you get, the better. Uh, more in themed with the game itself. Yeah, I mean, like you don't want to have a private a private eye and a bunch of librarians walking around. Like, it, like wh- why would they hang out together? <laughs> <laughs> True. In character, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but we can talk about that more after the break. Which yes. Oh, we'll, we'll talk All about right, time for the break. Damn. We'll keep going. Well, we can make this an extra long episode. <laughs> the extra spoopy episode. Extra spoopy edition. <laughs> Call of Cthulhu is very much about the theme. Yes, it is and, a game of of a theme. Right, and if you don't, if you <laughs> if your party. Or if your gaming group is prone to murder hoboing, <laughs> this is not the game for them. Not the game you want to be playing with them. Yes, which is why it's super important to have a session zero. Yes, if any if any game is truly needed for a session zero, it's definitely this. Well, especially yeah, especially because players need to realize. That most of the things in the Call of Cthulhu universe are unkillable. <laughs> yes, unkillable by, uh, by mundane. Right, and if you're playing in, especially in 1920s setting, you have to remember. Oh, we need to go to Egypt to investigate the the mummy that was recently, or to. Uh, we have to investigate the mummy that was stolen out of the New York mummy tour, and Ooh. that's going to take two and months of there, in-game yeah. time to get there because there's no cross-international flights. It's you get on a steamboat. <laughs> yep, get on the boat. Go. You, you sail on from, over. Yeah, you sail from New York to London or somewhere over in England, and then you basically just have a whole bunch of trains and carriages and things like that to get there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, in the 1920s, yeah, there really wasn't. Yeah. Yeah, damn. <laughs> but anyway, we can talk Stop about... Stop being in the 1920s. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, and that's one of the benefits of doing it in modern era, but at the same time, modern era feels almost... Like a cop out because thematically speaking, I don't think modern era really fits as well. It's there's less Arab mystery in modern. Yeah, that's the thing. There's there in modern era, there's more knowables mm-hmm. than in the 1920s. There's a more of uncertainty of right. what things are, and still science and understanding right. has not gotten far enough to. Make any leeway. Well, not only that, but like as you're as you're on the boat ride to to Southampton, I mean, you could have a whole another thing going on. Oh yeah, 
the Pharaoh's assassins try or uh, try to like kill you guys while you're on the boat crossing the Atlantic Ocean. But have I, a mini mystery on the boat. Yes. When we come back, we will talk yes. more about theme and share a couple of stories. Theme stories and probably little tip tidbits on maybe on how to do a proper horror game, no matter what. Sure. Tabletop it is. Alrighty then. After the break. And we're back! Yay! So where we left off was we started talking about theme in Kakasulu. Why the 1920s era is better than modern. Definitely. Keeping on that point, the... 1920s has a lot more suspense. It's farther away in the, yeah. the timeline, the modern timeline. So it's kind of like, ooh, cool. It's it's more fantasy. It keeps the fantasy more realistic to me. Okay. And also probably <laughs> you can have more of a journey because it takes longer to get to certain locations than others if it's a globe-spanning uh, right. mystery. Yeah, well, yeah, especially with something like, or on the scale of Masks and Arathotep, where you start off, I think you actually start off in New York, and then you go around the U.S. a little bit, you go to, you do go to Europe, Egypt, I think at one point you end up in Africa, or no, wow, Egypt is in Africa, duh. Yes. You go kind of around. You, it's like a global thing. I think there's <laughs> go to the heart of it. There's a bit. I think there might even be parts you have to go to China, like Tibet or China for. <laughs> oh jeez! <laughs> it's like good lord. <laughs> it's a very big book. I have that book. I think I still have. Damn. Anyway, to me, it's easier to get into character if it's not a modern setting. Okay. It has to be, if it's a modern setting, it has to be something different, like werewolf or vampire or mage, where different universe, but like a modern setting in Call of Cthulhu for me is like, oh, so I could play me, myself, exactly me, (laughs) and then go running around a bunch of, look, running around a bunch of haunted houses looking for cultists and other spoopy things of that nature. All the while, I'm thinking to myself, why are we not doing this for real? <laughs> why are we not doing this for real? <laughs> because it's 2019. We have it's... a group of friends that would love to go explore haunted houses together. We could go get our actual spoop on. <laughs> well, I think the reason why is... At least for me, I, I like I like scary things when I have the safety of a fourth wall. <laughs> right. But, so, but if you had to pick 1920s Call of Cthulhu, if I let's say now, I will understand 1920s Call of Cthulhu would be definitely more pain than a modern day one. If I am going to play something, I rather it to be far enough from the mundane as possible. Right. And 1920s, while mundane, is mundane in the very distant past. Past. But 
And things in the distant past is no longer mundane. It is actually quaint, unique, and quirky. And also slightly a little more racist. Well, oh. more than slightly. But anyway. <laughs> and 1920s is kind of is when the majority of Lovecraft's writing took place, I believe. Yes, that's true. I mean, he lived, I want to say, in the 50s? He d- he wasn't around in 1920. He was after 1920. I want to say 50s. Um, uh, no, he... Let's see, hold on. He was born 1890 and passed away 1937. Okay. So he wrote Modern Times... One of well, one of his stories is based around the indoor air conditioning system, <laughs> and how he was how horrible science can be. Modern science can do strange and wonderful things. Right. Okay. So <laughs> his stories are contemporary. Yes. I don't know. I thought. Why did I think? Ah, whatever. He died in 1930. Yes. Actually, he died in the Ides of March. <laughs> Beware the Ides of March. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's where most of the story, that's the era in which most of the stories take place. So it kind of yeah. feels to like it makes more sense that way. Because yeah, it fits it for the, for, based off the inspiration material that the system right. is based and, on. And that way you can also bring in elements from those stories because they're, contem- again, they're, they would be contemporary. <laughs> Yes, you can uh you can hint at the Ismith look and all that fun mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You could even visit Arkham Asylum. Woo! Oh uh, well, and most of the most of the yeah, uh, most of the stories take place in Arkham in Arkham Country. Yeah, yeah, Arkham County. I think is it Arkham Country? Well, uh, it's probably Arkham County, but I uh, but somehow in my brain it's Arkham Country, where basically it's just a lot of the stories take place in Arkham County. I don't know why. This is Arkham Country. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I think it's Arkham County. County. It's it's a fictional place roundabout, in New England. Yeah. Roundabout uh, Rhode Island where he lived. Where, well, he was born. Yeah. Uh, Actually, he died in Providence, Rhode Island, too, yeah. Yes, he lived and died in Providence. Yep. Which is why his grave marker says, I am Providence. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, his grave marker actually says, I am Providence. I don't know why. <clears throat> I'm sure there's some lore behind that, but yeah. Um, yeah. Well, yes. He also did live in New York for a short bit, but yes. Yeah, it's still kind of New Englandish. Yeah. Well, it, it's still... The northern, uh, the northeast of the U.S. Northeast kid. Yes. Anyway, we were talking about scene, uh, 1920s, yeah, yeah, yeah. 1920s. And the reason why it was contemporary for when he was writing it at the time. Right. And why we say that's probably the perfect setting to <laughs> run your game, run to Cthulhu at, because it matches the works of fiction that the game is inspired by. So, so. The other thing I want to point out is that's all canonical to the core rules. Yes. There are other offshoots of that, like Delta Green, which yes. is, you are a special ops Cthulhu agent, and that's a very different style of game. Yeah. And there's also Dark Ages Cthulhu, I th- think? 
I yeah, I think Dark Angels Cthulhu is a thing. Yes, I think uh, there's Cyberpunk Cthulhu for GURPS. Um, there is Cthulhu. There is a system called Cthulhu, which is a think of a sci-fi setting where all the Cthulhu mythos is actually more prevalent, but science still has specifically to understand everything. <laughs> and people do know that uh, do know these monstrosities exist and try to survive said against monstrosities and all that, um, all stuff like that. It's not much... It, it's more public knowledge, but still... Right. It's not as much of a mystery. It's not as much of a mystery, well, yeah. It's, it's more about... Hidden. Yeah, it's more about, like, corporate espionage and um it, it it's something strange i it's not it's I, not this it's not the it, sh- it's not the same thing it's just sci-fi with a little with cthulhu thrown into it right. it's not the spoopy theme yeah it's more like a, a it's a dark sci-fi like yeah it's more of a dark sci-fi instead of horror there are other options <laughs> for playing this. oh yeah even the gumshoes the trail of cthulhu which uses the gumshoe system. Yes. Can also, not, yeah. Can also be played like in that scary, spooky, spoopy sort of way, or it can be played more lighthearted, investigative. Oh, yeah. Um, but again, this is you know, <laughs> in theory, the Halloween episode. So, well, was, and we kind of alluded to how to run a proper scary horror themed game. So why don't you? Take it from there. Alrighty then. So, the, the interesting about trying to run horror itself, um, it's the key feature is is trying to. It's cool that you want to try to scare the characters, but it's always best to try to scare the players. Uh, that's your goal for trying to do any type of yeah. horror game. Just right. to, to scare the players. Scaring the characters is like yeah. Characters, Character cool. Character. The characters are scared. The, ca- the character is a character. It's just you're just making a horror movie for people to play it. That's all you want to scare the people, not the people in the. Right. What you're saying is, you have done a good job when the people you're running the game for are looking over their shoulders because all of a sudden it got a little too dark outside, and yes. they, they're hesitating because. Oh God, is that thing from the game really real? <laughs> is it really behind me? We have had that experience before. You yes, and, and you know you've done a good job when you have to help your players. You have to walk your players home. <laughs> well, not only that, but <laughs> we had to walk We've them done home. That. So <laughs> he Rasputin referring to the time. One of our mutual friends ran a game of Call of Cthulhu for us in my basement. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think we didn't stop playing until well after midnight, so it was really yeah. dark outside. We lived on a cul-de-sac in the middle of, well, not the middle of nowhere, but it was dark. There are no streetlights on that, on that cul-de-sac, basically. No, it was the middle of and nowhere. And we had to walk the neighbor, na- the neighbor kids came over, we pulled, you know, we played with them. We had to walk yeah. them across the street because they were genuinely too frightened to walk home by themselves. 
Yeah. And then I think I had to drive you home. I didn't have a car. So I had to drive you home. And the entire drive from my middle of the nowhere house to your middle of the nowhere house. Yeah. All the shadows were extra long and extra creepy. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. The shadows kept darting from one spot to another. And then I had to drive home by myself through those same dark spooks. Spoopy shadows. Yes. And I'm just like, oh god, oh god, oh god. <laughs> I mean, obviously it's a game, right? But yeah. somewhere in your lizard brain, you were thinking, I am on high alert because something might kill me right now. <laughs> yes. Just went through a lot of, thre- of, lot of threatening stuff. The threat's not over yet, and uh-huh. the other isn't. <laughs> uh-huh. So that is what you that's what Rasmuther means by you have done a good job when you have scared the crap out of the players. Yes. That's a solid you have really gotten to the core where they start to believe that On a on a subconscious level. Mm-hmm. Just enough where they have to they have to physically take for Yeah. Well they have they're, they're at least questioning it. <laughs> yeah. You don't just question reality just enough. Yeah, obviously you don't have to do that. No, 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 no. If you're running or playing in a horror game, that's probably that, a good indicator that. Yeah, uh, right. At least that's how I view it as a good horror experience. If you can, that you are disturbed by it, but of course, it being fiction, you just know it wasn't real, but still had the thrill. Of being at the edge. Why don't we talk for a second about how you get that kind of a theme going? Okay. To get the horror cross is just, is do your best as you can to bring, well, actually good advice for any type of gaming is try to bring those senses (laughs) into it. Right. Like you can feel the viscous, feel the viscosity of the, of the of the blood that's dripping on the walls right. or hear that crunch that that slight crunch on the ground of what could have been leaves or maybe even maybe hurt that snap could have been from a bone you just can't tell or it's just a, yeah. it's seeing those long shadows that just stretch onto infinity <laughs> instead of saying you enter a dark room, it's hard to see. Change it up to be, as you enter the room, it's dark. Even your flashlight can't seem to penetrate the depth of blackness that is that lies before you. However, something skitters and flashes. Was that a piece of metal? A rat crossing your flashlight? You have no idea, because your flashlight has just died. <laughs> Like, that is way better than, hey, okay, you open the door, the room is dark. Yeah. Like, add extra bits of detail. You don't necessarily have to do the sound effects. Sound effects oh, are no, probably no. good. One of the people we know from college played in a game in the in the guy's basement where the setting was a submarine. Mm-hmm. And I think you, you, you might... I hope you've heard this one, but it was in a submarine, so the keeper, game master, 
Uh-huh. Um, put up tarps and tables and basically had a dividing wall between the two groups. So like he enclosed the space to make it feel more like they were in a submarine, however far down in the ocean that they were. And each of the two groups had handheld radios, like the walkie talkies, like that were staticky and all this stuff. So like they couldn't communicate directly. Like he built this whole room just for this. I think there was even a fog machine and a bunch of other background noise. It's like, that's how you do it because you're not, you're immersing the players, not only with their imagination, but physically doing it. Um, so things like that can really add to the experience. That would do it. Definitely. And, uh, I believe this is even one of the items in the comic. In Dungeons and Dragons, you put down the DM places a model on the table. It looks like a cat with a pair of tentacles for the tail. Oh, oh that's a displacer beast. Duh. <laughs> right? Everyone knows what a displacer beast is. In Call yeah. of Cthulhu, the game master puts down a model. It's got arms, <laughs> tentacles, and bits. We have no idea what the hell it is. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like you. It's a. It's like it's like if you take a whole bunch of models and just glue them together into like this weird monstrosity. <laughs> it's something that's unidentifiable. That's what you're going for because. If it's if it's if the players cannot identify it, they are starting to question everything about that thing that just appeared in front yeah. of them. <laughs> it is gelatinous. It's got arms. It has thousands and thousands of teeth everywhere. <laughs> it's like, is it magical? Is it just going to ooze across and eat our faces off, or is? <laughs> It's some kind of super intelligent being that's just going to mind control us to death. <laughs> Things like that um, also really help. Trying, uh, I was actually listening to one of my friend's game D&D stream last night. And one uh-huh. of the things I noticed with their style was that... And, and they, I think they were newer to DMing. Okay. But one of the things I noticed was they were explaining an awful lot. <laughs> like, oh, you get, you know, they were telling the players, oh, they got a minus four to this stat. I'm like, why would you tell the players that? <laughs> I mean, I get it, right? Mechanically speaking, it's important to know. Yeah. But for me, it kind of pulled me out of the immersive experience. All right. In their defense... They did admit that they were not used to using Roll20 for maps and stuff. And I'm like, okay, ah. whatever. Uh, it was like, I even made a joke. Like, oh, I have, we have to use our imagine what? Imagination? I don't know what that is. <laughs> Until recently, none of our group ever had Roll20. We sat at a table and had to pretend oh, yeah. everything. That was how oh, yeah. we learned role-playing. And I feel as though anytime system gets involved it becomes less immersive so being descriptive is not bad but if you can keep the descriptions to in character knowledge 
that's probably the better. Like, obviously, you have to call for rolls once in a while. Oh, yeah. But instead of saying, oh, the gelatinous blob is a blah, here's the picture of it in the book, try to describe it. Yeah. As that weird gelatinous blob with thousands of teeth and tentacles and things. And again, if you can make a model of it, even better. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because that can really add to the horror of, oh, dear, sweet God, I have no idea what this is. Yeah. And especially if you have players that are very knowledgeable about the rules and things in the Cthulhu mythos or the mythos of whatever game you're playing. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Try to throw them for a loop. <laughs> because oh, yeah. one, of the, one of my biggest peeves is when a player knows more about the system than I do or is just as knowledgeable and they I and something pops up and one of them goes, Oh, that's a so and so. Great. Yeah. Okay, now that you've told everybody what the thing is <laughs> you obviously know how what its weaknesses are. Let's just muddle through combat real quick because the the, the whole theme of the mm -hmm. mission has been busted. <laughs> yeah. Like that's not okay. It happens. It happens. If you session zero this, you know, it's like, hey, we're trying, I'm going for this theme. If you know what the thing is, try to keep it mm, yourself. Keep, unless keep you the mystery for the other players, yes. Right. Please contain the, the mystery. One, it yeah. might not be that thing. And two, you might, you don't want to spoil it. Sure, yes. Kind of like you don't want to tell your kids that the Easter Bunny is different all around the world. Or tooth fairies and things like that. Like, keep the fantasy alive, please. Thanks. <laughs> what else did you want to add? I feel like we should. Let's we... see. Uh, let's see if gone. No, actually, I think gone through what I was thinking about. At least nice. that's what uh, we checked off everything. Actually, even checked off the things I was thinking about, and you already checked it off. Teamwork, I think. Yeah. Well, you never sent me show notes. I mean, no, I was, that's fine. Oh, no, no. I was going to put stuff in if you didn't cover what I already had. I, so, well, w when we were planning this episode, I figured we would actually have like a real set of show notes. Oh. Not saying a script. I, 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 a I have, I have my own show notes that that was a miscommunication on my part. Yeah. <laughs> but I was just like, you kind of, we talked briefly about some of the highlights we wanted to touch on. I'm like, okay, cool, and I'll just take over like I usually do. <laughs> That's perfectly fine. Sigh. Anyway, so... What? Uh, you, all, you can always wrap up the episode. That's perfectly fine. <laughs> you so, wrap up the episode. <laughs> yeah. So since, anyway. since we have a few minutes left, what are some of your favorite uh, themes in the horror spoopy genre? Well... My the themes I like I I I guess I have to say it's a guilty pleasure because it's not a popular thing, but it it's a theme that only works on uh, as a visual medium, not as a tabletop or a PG medium. Is a uh, found footage, found footage horror stories. Nice, like uh like Blair uh Blair Witch Project, uh Paranormal Activity. VHS, uh, actually, even a good found footage uh, not, that's not horror 
is uh, Chronicle. I actually even liked um, Cloverfield. Actually, that's a found footage monster movie. I haven't I haven't seen Clover's. It's pretty good. If you can if you can get past the found footage feel, which I know not many people like, but hey, I don't necessarily mind it if I'm interpreting complaints correctly. Mm-hmm. It's more that a lot of found footage stuff comes off cheesy, like Blair Witch Project was. I don't want to say a laughing stock, but it was not. Well, it's so campy. I can see why, because it's hard to explain for in-universe of why a person would have a camera at certain points. Right. So I can see that's what some people kind of, I, that's what some people I, I see some people having, or at least I've heard some complaints about, like, why would this person have a camera here in their own personal life? Hmm. It's like, I'm thinking, well, we're in the modern age of bloggers. Cameras are everywhere. But that was <laughs> so. It's like well, in the time in the era of Blair Witch, and, and I'll admit to have never to never have seen the movie because the horror genre is not really my style, except mm-hmm. in role playing. Hmm. Um, oh, I but- do enjoy it in role playing. It's just the. Yeah, I do enjoy it in the role-playing sense as well, but it's just for when I, uh, because I know horror is not everyone's cup of tea in the RP sense. Well, no, no, I just wanted to go back to the, to the, going back to the Blair Witch thing for a second. Yeah. That came out in the late 90s? 1999. I actually saw it in theater. (laughs) Oh, wow. Nice. Yes. Um, Yeah, that was late 90s, like. Uh, Nokia candy bar phones were still the hot, the new, like the hot rage back then. <laughs> like the razor, like the razor phone. Oh yeah, was brand new and I think four or five hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I can see why, in that context, why people would question. Oh, why do you have? A phone, you know, a camera on recording this part of your life. Well, if, well, I'm not sure if you remember the premise of the movie, but the premise is this was a, it was a independent film crew that was trying to do a documentary. That's, that explains the cameras. Gotcha. Yeah. So then it's explained. I don't know why people yeah. would complain about that. It, it's just some other, it's just more of the modern ones for people oh. or it's, it's more of the modern ones that have harder figuring out why people have it. That's why. The Blair Witch, they, they, they explained the premise pretty clearly in the beginning. This okay. is footage that they so, had that they were making a documentary. Okay, so that's where I got confused. But like, yeah. but you're right. In modern era, we all carry full cameras around in our pockets. Yeah. And usually we're staring at them all the time, recording yeah. everything. Anyway. We, we live in a self-inflicted sur- surveillance state. <laughs> yeah. But anyway... That's horror on it. That's horror for another story. Right, yeah. It's a, <laughs> a whole different kind of horror. Yeah, so my favorite kind of horror is the psychological stuff. I don't do well with the blood and guts. Oh, they just ripped a man in half. Wee! Yeah, that's not... No, I don't do that. <laughs> I do like, the Silent Hills Scanner Darkly. Okay. Like the very thinky... 
kind of things because those I get mental way, horror. I get way more invested in something that has depth to it. <laughs> and I know that's well, not everybody's cup. That's not everybody's thing either because yeah. Sometimes I mean even even myself it's like sometimes I just want to watch SpongeBob because I don't want to I just want yeah. to vegetate. But sometimes mm-hmm. I want to get really invested in a story and the only yeah. way for me to get invested in a story is by having depth. <laughs> okay. Well, for for that general case, then I my favorite type of horror is usually ghost story. That that would mm. be the close. That, that'll be my that's my thing. More ghost stories. More th- th- there's no monster out there. I guess I like the horror of the past is always with us and right. will haunt us that haunt us even to this day. <laughs> yeah. The past is infinite. <laughs> yeah. The, the past is ever-expanding. It, it, that's true. And the future is ever-dwindling. Interesting. <laughs> and on that note, I think we'll call it an episode. Yep. If you'd like to reach out to us, check out our website, letthedicerole.com. We have a whole bunch of contact info there for Rasperther and myself. Yes. Uh, our sponsor is Anchor.fm. And if you go to yeah. anchor.fm slash let the dice roll, you can find all of our past episodes as well yeah. as a voicemail link. You can, you can give us money if you like us. If not, you can always review us on any of your favorite platforms. Yes, please, 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 please leave us a five-star review if you can. We won't be sad if you leave something other than that, but if you leave five stars, you can say whatever you want. (laughs) Yes. And if you say something funny, we'll tell the rest of the world. Yes. Anyway, that's all from us, and we'll see you next time. And folks, have a good day, good evening, good night, whatever you are.